It's a great day to flex your freedom. I'm your host, Barb Allen. You know that we talk here at the Great American Syndicate. We're all about strengthening our country by strengthening ourselves and our families and our communities because it doesn't matter who is in office, which political party has the power at the time. At the end of the day, it's up to you, me, and us who's going to hold dominion over our lives and how we're going to treat each other and what it really means to be an American and a human being and all that. Today, we are focusing uh, on a lot of touchy touchy topics um, and controversial topics, important topics, and they all center around, they're going to come back down, dial into family and what is most important in loving the people that you love and some things that are driving families apart in our country in particular, and this is a topic about uh, transgender, of being transgender and the LGBTQ world and all that. And who better to touch on this on this topic than somebody who is intimately familiar with it from their own personal story, Chief Beck. I am so happy and touched and moved and excited to speak with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, your story, I, let's, get, let's get into a little bit. I mean, you have probably one of the most diverse paths, you know? I think um, probably a lot of people were very surprised. <laughs> I think when somebody comes out and says, hey, I am transgender, especially as an adult, I think it always hits people who don't suspect as a surprise. But I'm imagining for you that hit like on, on a wider level, right? Because you have all these years, for 20 years, you were a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yes. I think if you could uh, crown somebody the king of diversity and everyone that talks about diversity, inclusion, equality, and all that stuff, they should invite the king of diversity to speak with them, but they don't. <laughs> so I'm the king of diversity. I mean, I was basically a kid growing up on a farm in the 1970s, you know, didn't even know the terms, you know, LGBTQ and all the other stuff that they have now. Back in those days growing up, there was this game called Smear the Queer. And we basically throw a football and you basically tackle the whoever has a football. But we were these little kids playing this game and I didn't even know what the word meant. It was just the name of the game. And then eventually when I was older and I figured out what that word was, I was like, why are we playing that as these little kids? So that's, you know, growing up on a farm way out in the middle of the country without a neighbor, you know, miles away. Growing up and then going to the Navy SEALs, going to the top of the Navy SEALs to SEAL Team 6, you know, as a member of that team. You know, and then a couple of years after I retire, coming out as transgender and then, you know, being, you know, wearing female clothing and going out and at parties and being given awards for bravery, for walking out my front door in a dress, you know, like they gave that one big bravery or courage award to, uh, to Jenner, you know, a few years back. And there was also, it was for athleticism or something for ESPN or some silly thing. But basically they gave uh, Jenner this trophy for all this courage and all this other stuff. But you had this, you know, paraplegic or uh, actually amputated uh, lower limbs, I think, uh, his legs. But this uh, veteran who was doing these amazing, amazing things, you know, and really overcoming, you know, odds and adversity and doing real courage. You know, I don't ever want anybody to talk about courage as just walking out the front door wearing some clothing or having a tattoo or having a mohawk or colored hair. How is that courage? You know, I think we've lost our way so badly. And I think that's one of those things that we have to look at as, you know, as Americans and as humans and as families, you know, 
that we're watching a TV set so much and we're seeing things thrown at us and we're seeing things that are glorified. And here's the example, you know, exemplaries of old for me was Chesty Poehler, was, you know, Ike Eisenhower, was Marshall, was, you know, Martin Luther King, was, there were so many heroes that we had back in the old days that we looked at. Who do the kids look at for heroes nowadays? You know, it's the same thing. They're having the Kardashian heroes and this crap. You're getting courage awards for walking out in a dress. Come on, give me a break. You know, this is the stuff that I want to talk about. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this stuff. But I just, so my story goes from that, it goes from that kind of a person. But I always had all of this stuff I'm talking about right now in my heart. So even when I was part of the LGBT, you know, community, I was never really fully accepted you know they, they love to show me around and have me as like their trophy that they you know converted you know a top navy seal and uh i'll tell you about how i got into all that stuff too one of these days but that would be a whole nother conversation but that would also get into the psychology of it all too that if you're a kid and like i was and i was very isolated even in the seal teams i was, I was a very strange seal because i was into all the uh the cia type stuff I was into um, the sneaking and peeking and doing the second story jobs, and I was a plumber, you know, and I did all the secret bugs and stuff. So I was one of those SEALs that disappeared for a long time, and most SEALs just thought I retired or something. Then I'd show up somewhere on a battlefield in a beard, and it was weird. But uh, <laughs> So I was even a weird SEAL. But even as a kid, when you're a kid and you're isolated and you feel that you're being bullied because you're whatever, you're that weird seal and you want to do the bugs and electronics, you know, and I was into Morse code and stuff when I was in high school. So I was a weird high school kid too. I was into the weird electronic stuff, but that's kids. Kids are yeah. very different. Kids have their ways that they do stuff. And, and I'm learning right now with a 13 year old here in the house um, that I'm, you know, watching over and, uh, so my fiance Courtney, she's here, and uh, she has a son, a 13-year-old boy. And uh, I just find myself going into old habits or going into things that I was taught as a kid. You know, it's like you know, spare the rods for all the child type things. And but we well, can't how does do that, that go over? It doesn't work, you know. <laughs> no. It's just it's one of those things where it works a little bit, you know, the stick and the carrot thing. They have to know that there's a stick in life and there's a carrot in life. Right. You know, and a stick in life might be I end up working for a crappy boss, doing a crappy job that I hate and making crappy money. That's the stick. You know, it doesn't need to be an actual stick. The stick is, you know, explaining to them that the reason I have all the stuff that you see right now is because I worked really hard. And so the carrot for me was this good life that I could buy a nice house and I could live in a place that's really good. The carrot to me was shown it would be prosperity. It would be happiness. It would be a bunch of other stuff. You know, that's the carrot. The stick is not having a house. It's not having that. But you can do it both ways. It's, yeah. It's, but that's the lessons. But it was like I was growing up in that time. And then when I started looking at my life and started seeing everything that I did, and I found that. The life that I was getting away from, the life that I'm escaping, the life that I thought I was isolated from and I had to go to do something and see some friends, it was a whole bunch of people over there. As I got older, they were all unicorns and happy. And it was, But what it was, it was a whole bunch of different people who were isolated for all different reasons all came together in a club, you know? And that club is basically around sexuality. The club is around, you know, clothing. The club is around a lot of things. It's not around, you know... Like family is about, you know, the heart. The family is about taking care of each other. And that's also part of that. But the bigger community of 
flying the rainbows and the flags and the unicorns and all the other stuff. The bigger community of that is not about family. It's not about love. It's not about, you know, taking care of each other. If you think it is, and it's not. And smaller clusters, yes, it will be, of course. But uh, if you think you're going to escape your life of isolation, your life of getting bullied on, your life for whatever reason, and you're going to go over to that and get in joining it because you think you'll get taken care of, you're not. You yeah. Know? And that's what so- I found, you know. I found that my life was more about my real family, my, not my real family, but my family, you know, and my brothers and sisters and everybody else that would were watching me doing that and seeing something like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing because you get caught up in it too because it's a fun. It's always – there's parades every day. There's a party. It's always flashy. When, when you join well- – what are you talking about? Yeah, when I joined when, the LGBTQ When you officially say, hey, I'm a member you know? of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, and I'm not saying the whole community is bad. I'm just saying right. it's a lot of parades. It's a lot of parties. It's a lot of everything's going yeah. on. It's the shiniest world. It's the shiniest community you could ever join. And then tra- look at the farmer community, you know, that I'm in now because that's where I grew up in. But the farmer community is everybody's wearing muck boots and that's quite, usually you have quite poop a leap. on you. you know? <laughs> it's quite a leap. I'm a, we're kind of... I mean, you know what I mean? the, the country life myself. Yes, I know what it's yeah, like. To but be you know what I'm talking about then. Walking barefoot through the field with horse crap in it. That's where I'm comfortable, man. <laughs> yeah. But so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do know. I if do If you know want to exactly. compare those two worlds, and if you have a kid who's just going, my yeah. parents hate me because they wouldn't let me wear glitter every day. And you're yeah. like, well, no, your parents don't hate you because wearing glitter every day. It's just that it doesn't work when you're out there with the animals and all that, and you're right. getting all over, and it's a mess. So, There's a lot of other reasons parents tell you not to do something. You know, let's don't get a tattoo about, on your forehead when you're a kid. Let's talk about that a, a little bit now. There are so many areas to get into. I mean, you were 20 years as a Navy SEAL with yeah. multiple, what, like seven combat deployments? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some 13 around, right? overall, I mean, yeah. You served Lucky your 13. country and you went all in. And that, God, there are so many topics to talk about now, right? Because you came out and then you announced to everybody that you're transitioning and you must have gotten a whole heap of shit from all sorts of people on both ends of that and oh yeah i got death threats back then and you say hey this is now i'm detransitioning and now all the people who came into your life for one reason are leaving all the people who left your life are the i mean talk can you talk a a little bit about what it does because you and i were just talking before we started recording this and one of the biggest things that is out there is that uh, this this can blow families up when a member of a family comes out and says hey mom and dad hey brothers and sisters um i know in your instance like i know you see me as as your brother and as your son but i'm actually your daughter or your sister um and i know a lot of families that just it's too much there's so much emotion there's so much pain and hurt going on and feelings and shock and then the outside world comes in and it it explodes families and families disown their they disown their kids kids disown their parents siblings disown one another and that to me is is a tragedy um yeah so big time are you down to talk a little bit about i don't know if you want to talk about how your family accepted it or what your experience is in in this community do you hear like if a family yeah, sure. member doesn't immediately embrace, if somebody comes out and says, hey, yeah. I am transgender, if their family doesn't immediately flip a switch and start switching, calling the proper pronouns and all this stuff, yeah. 
is that scene, you know, some people will say, well, then they, they don't love you then. Then fuck well, them. Here's really. the thing and, for, for teenagers yeah. to think about is that if you're a teenager and then you first started speaking about it to someone like your parents, or you first started coming out as a teenager, how long did you struggle with it? You know, you had to work with it in your own mind for years before you started really want to talk about it in the open to anybody. A sibling first probably is the way I did and the way most people talk about that. So that sibling first speaking about that was probably when you're older. And now you're older. Now you want to be out in public and your parents, you have to give them a break. You have to say that parents have been through a lot already and your parents love you, you know, unconditionally. And if a parent's saying, you know, I don't want you to do this or this or this, you know, it's just like a parent telling another kid, you can't get a tattoo. It's like a parent telling another kid, you know, about clothing that you're going to wear to school. You know, you can't wear that to school because it's just for whatever reasons, you know, and so parents do things that you will not agree with, but I guarantee you when you're a parent someday, you teenagers, when you're a parent someday, you're probably going to tell your kids the same thing, that you love your kids and you want your kids to grow up happy. And the problem is with uh, transgender teenagers today, what's going on right now, there was a school, especially, uh, there was not especially, but there was a school in Maryland that had a 1,500% increase in the amount of non, uh, non-conforming, uh, non-gender, non-binary, whatever words that we're making up nowadays. And that's another problem. The words keep changing. And when I have a doctor speaking to me and I'm using words and the words have changed, we're speaking about two different things. And parents need to be careful of that. There are procedures or protocols that were in place for a lot of years, and there are successful protocols. This is the Harry Benjamin uh, protocols. It's the WPATH, but WPATH has changed, and it's dangerous. If you have the ability to have a child go in, someone who is under 18 years old, and I'm speaking to teenagers, you're smart, and I know you are, and I know who you, you know who you are, like deep inside, but you have to understand that. There are a lot of other teenagers who don't have that thought deep inside. They were swept up into it. That's why we see 1,500% increase. So if we're following these protocols and we're doing things by, you're supposed to do them step by step. You're supposed to have a lot of therapy sessions before you start speaking about uh, hormones or hormone replacement therapy or, or you want to do um, puberty blockers. You're supposed to have therapy sessions before you begin hormone treatment? Before you begin any of that. Okay. You're, in the old days, you were going to have 30 therapy sessions before you start anything. And so think about that, you know, and that's what this pro- the thing, the good thing about the old days was it was really, really difficult. It was, it was difficult to the point where it was aggravating and some people hated it. And they were saying, you're being mean to all of us because you're making me do these therapy sessions. But maybe it was too many. Maybe it should be 20. I mean, I don't know. And I'm not going to tell you how many it should right. be. It's different for every person. But the fact is, is right now there are teenagers getting swept up into this because it's super glittery, really fun community to be part of. I guarantee you it's the most fun community you'll ever be part of. But if you're having a really tough time in life and you don't know what's going on and uh, to every teenager, you can say when I was growing up, being a teenager is one of the worst times of my life because you're going through so much and you're, it's so confusing. So all of you teenagers out there, you're going to be struggling. You're going to have stuff going on. It's going to be terrible. But when you look across the pasture, you say it's greener over there and you jump across that pasture. Are you sure? 
you know? Yeah. And that's the problem is you have these kids who are just being swept away. And all your other teenagers out there, I know you know who you are. You're like in your heart, you're like, this is who I am. But there's other teenagers getting swept up into it with you. And that's what I care about. So we need to be careful about this, you know? So and parents, when- to be careful, parents, because doctors are making $450,000 for each patient. There's a lot of money involved too. And so there's a lot of doctors out there, or maybe it's not even doctors, maybe it's more administration. Maybe it's the facility, it's the system, and the doctors aren't to blame. I've talked to a lot of doctors, you know, I know this firsthand, and a lot of doctors are being told right now, if you don't do it, you're fired, you know? Yes, and 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 I know a a lot of doctors are now being told, and therapists, clinicians are being told that if they do anything other than refer a patient, a child even, immediately yeah. to hormone therapy or transitioning. Like they're not allowed to mention anything other that there may be underlying issues that, you know, maybe let's look at depression and trauma first. You just hit the um, nail on the head. Before, yeah. before yeah. you transition them. Um, and yeah. so this is a problem. What, what would you say then let's, let's ask a, a, on a couple different tracks, right? So because you transitioned and now you are detransitioning. Well, here, the word transition's wrong too. Because here's what okay. I want to say is that the transition, whenever they talk about transition, that's all physical, you know? Right. So that's you just getting uh, some surgery. That's you. It becomes chemical too. So, it, But that's yes. still all physical, you know? And you're trying to get secondary uh, genetic mark, secondary genetic traits of the opposite sex. And that's what you're promoting. So it's voice changes. It's going to be, you know, breast growth if you're, you know, male to female. It's going to be a lot of different things for each one. Uh, for for female to male, you're going to start growing a beard real quick, you know? Yeah. Testosterone is powerful. All the hormones are powerful. And when you start messing with those, that's the issue, is that everybody reacts differently. Oh, what I was going to say was about transition. So transition is the wrong way to look at it because that's, that's merely a, uh, it's a physical thing. It's a physical thing that male to male transgender, if you want to say it, when you have those dudes in the weight room getting fake, you know, calf implants and they're getting the giant muscles pumped in and they're, they're, there's men in the weight room right now that are doing amazing, you know, body, I'm sorry, body uh, changes. And that's the same thing. That's, you know, body dysmorphic, you know, it's male to male. They're doing it yeah. within their own gender, but it's all the same. You know, so the transition part for transgender people, I think most of it is going to be, uh, uh, I'm not going to say mental illness, but it's a mental battle. It's a mental, it's a mental game where you're trying to play with yourself. You're trying to figure it all out from a, uh, a spiritual, intellectual, and a physical sense. Yeah. You know that you saying, um, wherever you go, there you are. Right. So yes, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you know, you always have to live with yourself. Yeah. So what would you say then? Let's go at it this from both angles because you've walked all at all paths of this um, your words to um, let's say we'll, we'll go the younger end of the spectrum now you know from young teen to like say whatever early 20s who is thinking who is convinced that this is the path for them that you know transitioning or tr- transitioning is the only treatment for gender dysphoria and what would you say to parents? for instance, who are struggling, who are struggling with this, with their child, who have a child who says, hey, I am transgender and the parent just cannot, cannot wrap their mind around it or cannot accept it because then we can move into the area of how these two can still maintain their, their connection, right? With, with, while yeah. being on different sides of this. Well, 
I mean, I would say to to the younger audience, to teenagers, you know, and the parents, and you should hear this also, because the most important thing you can do is do those therapy sessions. The most important thing you can do is you have to know that all of us, you know, myself, you, everyone in the audience struggles with all kinds of things. We're struggling with depression. You know, some of us just little tiny bits amount, but the happiest person in the world is going to have some depression. And same thing with anxiety, same thing with almost everything. You know, we all have the mental capacity to mentally uh, have Olympics of every sport, you know, in our minds, you know. And so you have to understand that you being transgender is just one minute facet of probably everyone's life. You're experiencing it at a higher uh, amount right now because you're also going through puberty. You're going through a lot of other things. You're going through sometimes the worst time in your life is being a teenager, you know, in high school. You know, and especially if you're not the one that has the most money and your clothes are going to be secondhand or whatever, for whatever reasons. So these mental gymnastics that we all play with all of this stuff, you are just on a heightened you know, spot of your life where one thing is really clicking off. So you want to make sure that, you know, all of the other stuff also you have to balance, you know, the pressure of society and peer pressure. And then it goes into anxiety and then depression because you're not keeping up with that or that, you know, work on all that stuff. And you have to do that with a therapist and do it with a therapist or somebody who's qualified, a coach even. There you, know, you go. That's what coach. I'm going to say. So what about you know? then the therapist that you yeah. go to? Not always a therapist. You walk yeah. in the door. And yeah. five minutes after you walk in the door, the therapist is handing you hormone therapy, yeah, information, that's one of the and issues. parent yeah. support groups. How hard is it to yeah. find an actual counselor, med- professional, qualified person who can speak? Like, and I think that is that's the yeah. problem, right? People go to these therapists, yeah. and you say, "Go to therapy." Ther- well, what does it matter if every therapist you go to is automatically? Just they have programmed to, to send you yep. down the road to this person. Like how many people are really digging into into the issue, into the gender dysphoria, in, in, yep. into body dysmorphia, you know, the underlying causes of all that. How many yep. therapists do you think are out there really digging into, hey, let's break this down, let's unpack this and let's see what could be some causes of this, versus how many people are just saying, Oh, you're body dysmorphic. You feel like you're, you should be, you know, you're a boy, but you feel like you are actually a girl. You shouldn't be. So here's your hormone. And like 10, 15 minutes, they're sending these people, patients, you know, out the door for this hormone therapy. What are your thoughts on it? It's a, it's an epidemic with everything we do now as humans because of the way the whole system is set up. So the entire medical industry is, uh, it monetizes and rewards, you know, unhealth. It doesn't do it for healthy. And I think that somehow we need to monetize uh, overall well-being. You know, we have to monetize if you are a doctor and you can have that person yield their mentally, spiritually, you know, their bodies, they're healthy because they're eating healthy. They're talking over some of their problems. They're doing all the stuff that you need to do as a human. That should be monetized, but it never will be because you're not going to make money off the drugs that they give you or every visit. So the more, I mean, it's it's backwards. <clears throat> so how do we monetize a healthy individual, you know? And that person is, you know, the overall, like the, what's that one general doctor, the MD, the general practitioner? General the practitioner, days? yeah. They would be like, it shouldn't be a doctor. It's your general practitioner, your overall person should be like this manager, coach, like a, a varsity football coach would be good because he has to run offense, defense, special teams, that. He's even got the water boy back there, the mix dude. He's got to take care of all this stuff. So if you had somebody watching over you would knew about, you know, your overall health, 
the doctor stuff, the pharmaceutical stuff, plus the eating stuff, you know, the nutritional stuff and the workout stuff and then the spirituality stuff that you're reading this, you're reading that, you're looking at that, you're talking about this philosophical, amazing discussions. But it says one person watching over for you that. You know, who is that person? Well, I think that person is supposed to be your father when you're growing up and your father teaches you all this stuff, you know, or your mother, you know, your mother a lot of times. Actually, Courtney was a single parent you know, raising her kid. And so she took care of all of these roles, you know, or somebody in the family. But somehow we don't teach this in school and we should be teaching all this stuff in school and also teaching it at home, you know? Well, do you and think now that the, schools, the stuff that is being taught in school is about, you know, schools are really, they're pushing pronouns, they're doing all of this stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like a parent yeah. won't even know if a child tells their teacher that they're transgender. So the child could go to school under one name and the parents not even be informed that the teachers are talking to them, you know, as if they're another just, person. That's parent involvement in the schools. Yeah. You know, if we lost touch with the schools for so long. Yeah. So every parent need to get on a school board and then the school board is going to rule it, you know, fire that person as a principal if they're doing that. So parents need to get on the school boards. If you're not on a school board, how are you going to complain? You know? Yeah. True. So um, before we started recording again, you had mentioned to me that you have a friend who is going through um, this process with talking, it's creating oh, yeah. a divide in their family and all this. Yeah. So it's a personal Navy SEAL friend of mine okay. who's, um, whose child uh, came out, um, I think really young, very young, came out and started doing, started, you know, dressing more like, and it's female to male. So it's a, it's a young girl who is now identified as a boy. But uh, in the beginning, it was like, yeah, no, no problem. You know, yeah, tomboy, you know, wear whatever you want. And it was fine, you know. And they said, you know, we're happy. We love you. We just want you to be happy. And so all good and good. But then it started progressing into wanting to take puberty blockers and then having a double mastectomy. And now the child is like 16 or still very young. So all of this is getting pushed. And the father was like, no, absolutely not. You can do all that when you're 18. But right now you're still growing, you're in the middle of puberty, you know, the chemistry of your body. You're still developing, you know, your whole life. You know, it'll it'll disrupt all of this and it's gonna cause we don't know what's gonna cause. And which is true. I think a lot of parents guess that, but there is no real long term data. A lot of these puberty blockers that they're using were previously used in prisons to castrate uh, pedophiles. So that's the puberty blockers we're talking about. They're basically castration drugs. And then people are going to go, oh, my God, it's untrue and all that. And I say, Google it. And you can see that the ones that they started with, they've probably changed them now. But change the name of a drug. It's still the same drug. So give me yeah. a break. You know, research it a little bit. I've already done my research. Yes. But, um, <laughs> so these parents, so this Navy SEAL friend of mine, so now his son, he's just saying – I will bring you to whatever doctor we want after you turn 18. It's fine. It's like a kid that wants to get the tattoo. You know, hey, when you're 18, I'll take you to a tattoo shop and I'll buy your first tattoo. But you're under my roof, you're 18, you're still developing. We want you to fully develop. That was the only argument. So uh, for whatever reason, it turned into a divide between the father and mother of this child. And then now it's divorce. Now the household is all split apart. Now there's four other kids, five other kids that are suffering with a family that are, it's just a total nightmare, ripped the entire family apart. And now it's like finding jobs and all that. And this is going on. And then police get involved. And it just turns into this whole thing over the struggle of custody. Don't want you to 
hurt yourself or you get a double mastectomy right now, just like that, you know, young girl, Chloe Cole, you know, right. look her up. She had a double mastectomy, I think, when she was 15 or 16. And uh, now she's 19 or 20 years old. I think she just turned 20. But um, now she's older and she has immense regret because she made decisions when she was so young. She didn't know what she was doing. And that's what she's saying now. And I can look back when I was a teenager. I had no idea what I was doing. I can look back when I was in my 20s and my 30s. You know, we all make mistakes. We do things. Yeah. As teenagers, we know you're a teenager. We know there's a lot going on. And we just, as parents, we love you. As, as a person that you don't even know who I am, but I've gone through a lot of this stuff and I know what's going on. And I love you. You're going to be okay. Get through your teenage years. When you're 18 years old, you're on your own. You're an adult, you know. But give your parents a break. They love you and they want the best for you, you know. They don't want you to hurt yourself, you know, yeah. as a youngster like that. So you've, you know, you've run the course that you've run. And there was a time in your life when you were wholly convinced that it was your path to transition into a woman, right? Even though you don't, I know you, the term isn't, isn't right transition. Like I get it, but that's yeah, the, that's the word we have. So the that's, terms don't that's matter. Don't, like you know, pronouns, um, they don't matter. It's just words. And so now, now you're like, no, that was not my path. I'm going back to, you know, who I am or who I meant to be like, this didn't work out for me. It wasn't what I expected. You know, I'm changing that. So, but are you, do you think then that it is the path for some people that for some people, the, you know, transitioning from a male to a female or female to male is, is the solution is the right path. Do you know people who have done this and are happy and, and fulfilled you know, living their lives yeah. the way that they, they want to live it? Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, I've met uh, transgender people, you know, male to female, female to male. You know, they're men and women. You'd never know anyway. And uh, great right. people living a happy life, you know. But I know that's not going to be for everyone. I right. know that's definitely not my path. The path I have, and I'm, I'm a, a born-again Christian, and I believe in God, and I believe that this is the temple of God. And that was where I made a lot of mistakes was I started going down the uh, to humanism, the uh, Trismegistrus, you know, the Hermes, you know, path, Hermetics path, and a lot of stuff where it's all about, you know, you and us, and we have all the power, and human beings are this, and evolution and all that stuff, because it's all about us, you know? Yeah. And when I start looking at that, and it's all about us, and it's all about our bodies and our thing, and it's not a temple, it's whatever, it's a piece of dirt that we can do whatever we want with that just has a energy inside, you know, and if you start really believing all that stuff, then this piece of dirt, I can form it into whatever I want, you know, and that's where the division happens and, and it turns into a whole new religion of itself, you know, and if people right. don't believe and that's, that. But that's really why I wanted it. to ask you that question uh, so we can nip it at the bud for yeah. anybody who may want to frame this conversation as, you know, anti-trans or yeah, talking not. people out of it. I think the thing is, and this is true on so many issues out there today, is that the moment you bring up a, hey, maybe this isn't the only path, maybe this isn't the only course, uh, you're labeled as something, right? Like you're, yep. oh, yep. well, if you don't buy into this, if you don't agree yeah. that there's only one way, one solution, then you're a terrible person. Yeah. You're anti-trans, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're Nazi, yep. like whatever it is. Is, right. So that's, that's and why I've I just wanted paths. to, you know, I've, I've been a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of stuff and I've walked a lot of different paths yeah. to find out where right. I need to walk. This is where I'm walking, you know, and nobody can walk my path. You know, it's, no. it's it'd be, no. you can't, you can't walk anybody's path. So find your way. But what they're doing to kids right now is not walking your path. 
you know, that's talking a young, impressionable young kid who's going through the worst time in their life into something that makes you happy, but don't talk kids into it, you know? And I think that's what's happening. That's a shame. Right. And you how know? crazy and when, when is I talk it? About religion, I'm not going to try to convince anybody about God or religion or anything no. else. Tell you who I am. And if you like it, then cool. If you don't, then cool. You know, that's the problem with religions right now. If your religion is so cool, your religion is so amazing, why are you recruiting? You know, I don't have to recruit. I'm just going to be here doing my own thing, you know? This is it. But yeah, how crazy is it that, you know, you can't, you have to be 21 to have a beer, but you can go into a clinic somewhere at age 12 or whatever the age is now that they're dropping into and make these decisions that are life altering. I think there are so many things that just don't line up and don't reconcile. But here's one thing I want to ask you. You brought up about the drinking, all that. I 100% agree. What they're trying to do though is going to be the age of consent. Is it age of consent or the age of, they're bringing it down to 12 years old. And basically, what is it? It's the age of consent. That's absurd. Age of minority, age of. Yeah. It's like a minority age. It's like your age of consent. I think your age right. of when you're, when you're basically treated like an yeah. adult. Yeah, They're trying to make that age 12 years old. So a 12-year-old can walk into any doctor's office and get a boob job. Any 12-year-old can walk into a tattoo place and get a tattoo. Because if they change in federally law, if they change the age of consent or the age of there's, – there's a couple different words they use. It. In legal terms, right. there's something else they say. But if they make it 12 years old – then a 12-year-old can basically walk out of the house and get his own job, do his own thing. If it's 12 years old, then Epstein's book is a moot point. It doesn't right. matter. Well, it's because a moot 12 point years anyway, old, then, then anybody can yeah. date anyone. If you're 50, you can date a 12-year-old because now the age of consent has changed to 12. That's what's happening. So this that whole thing is, is moving horrifying. toward a very that evil me- world. We're losing innocence and youth and all yeah. that. And call me whatever you want for saying that. But, you know, these yeah. are children. They're child. They're pure. Like, yeah. I, I cannot wrap my head around what feels like this movement to to do this, to sexualize our children. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't understand it. Happening. And it's, it's yeah. deeply concerning, you know, as a human being, as a parent, sure, but as a human being. But I got to ask you this, too, on another track, because... Your life, all of our lives, right? We all have major life moments and decisions and triumphs and tragedies, but they're private to us. They're really personal. You know, one of the most painful, difficult things, a couple of the most, you know, when I went through losing my husband and then the murder trial and then the acquittal and Mm -hmm. all this, and it was an intensely private personal pain, but it was played out to some extent on a public stage where people feeling like they had the right to jump in or where there was an expectation for me to come in and talk about my pain to satiate an audience, you know, who, who I thought yeah. wanted to hear that for a higher purpose. Right. But it they turned out most, me too. most of the people just wanted to hear it because like the gratuitous, the like yeah. sensationalism of it. Right. So what is it yeah. like for you? Because even now this, I mean, this is what you're like, it's just your private life, your personal life. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it feels like there's an expectation from you to go on the major media outlets to talk to be to where yeah. either side could be poised to say, oh, well, now I can use use you yeah. as my my talking puppet to validate my points. Like, what yeah. what has this been like for you? You, I mean, you you nailed it right away of why I went on Fox on Tucker Carlson and said what I said. You know, I basically bashed CNN and I bashed Fox. You know, I right. told them that you guys all do the same thing, and I don't want to be on any of these. 
And so they haven't really called me back since then. So thank you. Um, also, when I did that, I, I was on uh, Robbie Starbuck, that interview that most yeah. a lot of people saw. I only did the Robbie Starbuck, and then I went on Tucker Carlson. That's all I did. And then huh. everybody else picked it up on the AP and newspapers and whatever else. So they did. They sensationalized it. I went on two shows, right. and then it turned into this whole thing all over the country. And I still got hundreds of calls from all all these different networks. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. It's, and just like you said, behind every story is a person's life, yeah. is a person. You know, you guys think it's this big headline in the newspaper, but that's a person, you know? And that's what happened to me. And I was so naive when I first came out. And uh, it, was, it was called love bombing, you know? And, uh, and that's a term. You can look that one up, love bombing. It's an actual term. And it's a technique. It's a tactic. You know, huh. and they did that tactic so fully that, yeah, I was going on CNN and yeah, we did that. And then we made that documentary. And then people think I made money on a documentary. It's like, well, that's a documentary. There's no money in it, you know, and the book, I owe money from the book. So everybody thinks it's like this wealth and fame and all this other stuff. Right. And I was like, no, I was a Navy SEAL for 20 years. And it was really weird to have a Navy SEAL come out and say, hey, I'm a girl. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, yeah. it's sensational. But then when a Navy SEAL... That was thinking something five years later, six years later, I, I'm wearing flannels in the summertime in 90 degree weather, you know, years ago, you know, a year ago, two years ago. It's like people didn't realize it was like, hey, I was just, and I was just trying to live my life, yes. you know? And then the only reason I'm even on now and I'm talking to some people is I started to see what was happening to kids. I started seeing what was happening with these drag queens going to like these libraries and dancing for kids. And they got these, it's just, it was, I was just so disgusted that you're exposing yourselves to these little kids. It's adult entertainment. And so I was, I was basically detransitioned, if that's what you call it, you know, a while before, but uh, it was my life. I was just living my life and I was happy. So where am I getting out of this? Yeah. So I went on a couple of shows and I blew this whole thing up. And what did I get out of it? I haven't, I'm not going to make any money on this. Nobody pays me. It was a, it was me and Robbie Starbuck talking on a video. It was going on Tucker Carlson to, you know, it's all a pain in the neck. I don't want to do this. It's me speaking with you now, which is wonderful because you, I watch a lot of your podcasts and you're wonderful, you know? Thank you. And, um, we just, I'm not getting out of it. I get a lot of death threats. I'm getting a lot of anger. If you go on my Facebook, you'll see tons of hate from all these people saying I'm a liar and I do this and do that. I said, oh, how do I lie about my own life or my, how I lived or what I right. felt or my opinion? I'm lying about my opinion, you know? Or when I bring up these facts, you know? And I study my facts. I'm studying about Harry Benjamin and because I lived it, the W path and how W path changed and the gatekeeping about drag queens dancing half naked in front of kids. You know, receiving dollar bills. I can show you all kinds of videos. You know, people say I'm making this up. I don't understand yeah, so, it. You know, and so that, I'm not I getting any of it. I'm getting a lot of pain and suffering. This is what you know, I'm saying. I think I, people I don't. don't understand what it takes to put yourself out there. Uh, like you just want to live your life. Like you already have enough going on to sort out and feel mm -hmm. and do and be on a regular basis, from paying the bills to you know running your family. Like yeah. you know, start with there the basics. Yeah. You have the basics we all have, mm -hmm. and then you have all these other things which are a big deal in your own everyday life. Like you're already, and then you're. Mm -hmm 
you're choosing to put yourself out there because you feel called to do it. Like you have a message and you have a voice, but people don't understand that there is a price to pay. You know, I remember when I would do these interviews, I would come out, Soledad O'Brien spent the day at my house. Shepard Smith spent a day at my house. And so you're ripping 60 minutes calls, all these people, right? And so you're going through all this pain. You're going through all this fun because you think it's going to serve a purpose, but it it would take me days to recover from putting myself in the emotional place that I had to put Even myself in. after I get into. off doing this, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be dressed my day as ruined. It's, it's going to be downtime. And, so, yeah. and I, yeah. I appreciate that. Like, I, I understand yeah. that on a level, on a lot of levels, what it takes to come out and do this. And because you ju- you're like torn between two worlds. One minute you're just being yeah. this normal person going about your life. And then you're, oh, hey, I'm going to go out there and talk about something intensely private and personal for me yeah. that stirs up a whole bunch of stuff, rips a lot of Band-Aids open. And now I got to go like put these Band-Aids back on to yeah. go about my life. Right. Um, but yeah. people don't understand that what do do you think now when you when you're scrolling through social media you cannot help but miss it there's meme after meme making fun of transgender people right um and i feel like this is in the past five six seven years maybe like this is more prevalent i feel like most of society would never have paid this much attention to the issue of yeah. transgender, being transgender, if it hadn't been rammed down society's throats, if yeah. they hadn't been yeah. trying to make, you know, eight-year-olds share a bathroom with biological boys yeah. and men, you know, yeah. going into there and the sports thing and the pronoun thing. It's just been, yeah. it's like one segment of society is being forced to change and do things that make them you know, they don't believe in on behalf of another. It, is that, do you feel like that's an accurate assessment? Yeah, well, you're, or, so like, I have two ways, two ways for you to look at this. Yeah. So, so adult entertainment, drag queens and the way they dance and everything they do, it's clearly adult entertainment, right? right. It's like pole dancers. Pole dancers are clearly adult entertainment. And a lot of states of pole dancers, they have to wear bathing suits. They have to wear pasties. They have to do all the stuff. So sometimes pole dancers are way cleaner than the drag queens, if you ask me. But don't ask me. But <laughs> so think about pole dancers. So if pole dancers started wearing their outfits they wear when they're pole dancing inside the club at midnight or three o'clock in the morning, and they started wearing their outfits to the library, and they started wearing their outfits to these schools and sitting down with the kids and reading stories to them, and they also brought their pole. And so after they read the story, they can go do some dances and they do some moves and they start doing their things and flopping around, you know? Do, what do you think? Do you think that would be on social media? It would be mems and be like, oh my God, be, everybody would be in uproar. Like, why are you allowing pole dancers in the library to dance for these kids? Right. And then you'd be like in a church. So it was like this one drag queen dancing through a church. And it was like, oh my God. It was So you're going to allow pole dancers now in the same church to just dance through the middle of the church and flop around, you know? And the reason I'm bringing that up is they're exactly the same. So they're both adult entertainment. They're both nude a lot. They're both dancing kind of sexually explicit dancing in a sexualized way to promote sexual lusting and everything else to get dollar bills. Yeah. You know, and they're both exactly the same thing. Right. And so, and it, and then the LGBTQ, uh, all, they start, I don't X, know why the PDX, stuff, yeah. but, And I'm not making fun of it. And they do, yeah. there's a lot of caring people in that community that want people right. to come in and saying, hey, we care about you. We know what it feels like. And I, and I feel that, you know, I'm compassionate for that. You know, there's a lot of letters out there. And there's a lot of people out there that need help. Behind every letter is a person. 
Yes. When you think about the LGBTQIA, and I added a few more, when you do all those letters, think about those letters. And I'm, I didn't mean to stop there, but there's a person behind every one of those letters. And that's what we have to start looking at also. But dancing through the church is like that pole dancers. So if that started happening, and then the LGBT people, they start saying, you know, you're just picking on drag queens. You're picking on us. You're right. picking on us. What would you do? What about Hooters? What about that? They start bringing out all these other examples. But the thing is, is the Hooters girls aren't going into libraries and churches and schools. They're not right. reading little kids. They're serving food and they're still being clothed. They're not dancing. There's rules at Hooters. Yes. And then when you go to the pole dancing, the same thing would happen. So that's all that stuff. If you think about those two things, give me a freaking break. Drag queens, stop dancing in public with kids. It's adult entertainment. Do it at night in your clubs. You right. know, have fun in your clubs. Right. You know, that's you what be you. Let's leave the kids out of it. Let's yeah. um, hear And another the- thing you brought up was, um, it was, what was the other thing? It was about, it was a drag queen's dancing. And then you said uh, also. Seeing the memes uh, or, or, or the bathroom, you know, having biological boys. Yeah, go ahead. About you know, the memes and all the other stuff. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's fun. And just like the thing with the letters and all that, there's people there. There's a lot of people who are struggling, right. you know, and we don't need more struggle. So, yeah. and on both sides, I would say to all the, all the people out there that are hating on all those LGBTQ and the drag queens and everything else that's going on, you know, there's people there, there's families, there's people that you probably know, they're standing right next to you that would at, on Saturday night, that's what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And so it affects all of us. And so if we yeah. could all start looking at each other and seeing that we're all just humans trying to struggle through this thing and trying to figure it out and we all have stuff going on. And give me a break, man. You know, I know, you and that's what on. I you think. Don't me to tease you about. I think this is become inflamed because of all the politicization yeah. of it. But here in the in the last um, segment of here, let's talk about what we talked about at the top of the the show, and that's uh, you know the family unit and all this. And we talked about from a kid's perspective who's coming out, but what can parents do? What is your advice to the parent of a child? who comes out and to them at whatever age, young, you know, from young to late teens to mid twenties, thirties, whatever, your child comes to you and says, Hey, I am, I am transgender and, and you're struggling with it, but how, what is some advice you can give to a parent who loves their child, doesn't want to lose their child and is just mm-hmm. struggling to wrap their mind around this new reality they have in life. You know, there's parents who say, you know, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. Like you're, you'll never be yeah. a woman. You'll never be a man. I don't see it. It's all pretend to me, but I love you. You're my child. I want to keep you in my life, but I can't pretend that I believe, you know, that I believe in, in what you're doing, you know? So what would be some some tips that you could give that parent who desperately wants to maintain that relationship with their child, but is just well, struggling to walk that I, line? I would, say, I would say that the biggest thing, for kids especially, I would say you need to know about yourself. Because before you know about yourself, how are you going to think about being something else? You know, what I would say for all those kids out there, there's a book that I read uh, as, a, as, you know, in my younger, I think it was junior high, it might have been high school. It's called Sophie's World. And it's a philosophy book. It's a It's a book. And the guy's from Netherlands or Sophie's World, you said? Sophie's World. Okay. 
Yeah, it's the most amazing book, but it's written by this philosopher to his daughter. And so it's all the world philosophy, all like broken down from this amazing doctor philosophy of everything to his daughter trying to explain all of it and explain the world. You know, and I won't give away the whole story, but it's just a touching, really amazing story. And as a kid, when I was reading it, I was glued to the pages. I was like, and I was re- the whole time I was reading it, I was reading about Siddhartha, then I was reading about this, and I was reading about that, the Kabbalah, and it's all like, all these things are intertwined in this really cool story about all the philosophy. And the thing is, is don't underestimate philosophy because uh, that's a lot of the breakthroughs that I've had over the past few years would be uh, Jungian and then Joshua Campbell and going in, well, Beck, which is my namesake also, but he had a lot of cool stuff to say. But now we're going to Nietzsche and some of the other stuff. But yeah. philosophy, you can just dig into it. And, and this is written for a kid. They're just laid out so perfectly. And uh, I would say read that book because if you can know yourself, then you really know what you're supposed to do. And that's the best. And I'll say the same thing for parents. Right now, parents, if you're walking into your therapist's office or you're doing family counseling or anything else, they're going to be throwing a lot of stuff at you that you just, it's like, wow, they have the terminology of the stuff and it's like a narrative and they know what to say, you know? So for you, you need to have some of that ammunition in your pocket. And the one I would say I would look at would be GID, gender identity disorder. And uh, then you have the gender dysphoria and all this stuff. You have to look at what is a pink mist. And you have to look at what is going on, what's happening with my child right now. And all of these things will make sense if you can read some of these books, you know. And then learn about that. Learn what it really is. And then gender identity disorder would be a, a lot like if you were looking at bulimia or you're looking at eating disorders. You're looking at a lot of other things, you know. And there's there's things we can do. There's coping mechanisms, that and that. We can work with that. You don't go right to surgery. If you have a child who has an eating disorder, you don't go to surgery, you know. We have to work on a lot of other stuff first. And then if, if it requires surgery at a later date, then we'll look at that, right. Then there's these books. Um, here's one. So here's one for adults. So if you're an adult, you're a parent, you can get books like this. There's a whole bunch of books and really neat things out there. That's my dog hitting my camera. Sorry. <laughs> but the, um, the problem is, is right now, if you go to most therapists, you go to everybody who's an advocate for transgender, who's an advocate, advisor, activist, yeah. all of that, they will cover up that book I just showed you, Born in the Right Body. They will cover up tons of data. You want to look at what's going on in Sweden right now. There is this thing in Sweden called this huge J-curve. And you'll see that Sweden had the same problem with a 1,500% increase in non-binary children and in transgender children. So they've fixed it now. They didn't fix it by making people say, you're not transgender, you're not this, you're not that. But they're not making it so fashionable. They're making it more difficult for you to get to this point where you're doing hormones like after one visit, you know. So they started slowing it down. And that's what I'd say to parents, you know, if your child is transgender, your child's transgender, you know, the best you can do and what you want to do is just, of course, keep loving your child, but let them know, we just have to slow this down, just like we learned from the Sweden data, like we learned from here, like we've learned from so many other, Chloe Cole, from Kristen Beck, from everybody, so many people who said it wasn't the right path after I did it and I figured this out and I did that. As a teenager, you're going to have these doubts, you know? And they have to understand that just wait until you're 18, you know, go through the sessions and dress how you want to dress. We'll do all that. We'll do your name. We're going to do whatever you want. But the hormones and the blockers or puberty blockers and the surgery, please, please wait. And then you're going to go through the sessions and keep loving your kid, you know. Yeah. And then when they're 18 and they decide, I'm going to do blockers, I'm going to do hormones, I'm going to do surgery, then you go, you're my kid. I love you. 
you know? And then you still have your family, you still have everything together. But the kids also have to read Sophie's World, read some of these other things, read some of the stuff and understand that your parents love you and understand that you're still growing, you still have a lot that's going on, you know? And if you read some of these books and you see some of these lives of other people and you start knowing yourself, you start really digging in. And then when I say know yourself is that when you sit in a quiet space, early, early in the morning before sunrise, you know, and for all you kids, if you can start doing this right now, you will find your life so much happier. Is that just before sunrise or at sunrise, sit in that real quiet space. No electronics, nothing on, nothing, no disturbances. Real quiet in that darkness. Just listen to yourself. That, I love that time of day. Minutes, I love that know? time of day. Before You'll start the, knowing yourself. Yep. Before the sun yeah. rises, I sit yeah. quietly with my coffee and watch the sunrise every morning. I love it. The fireplace. And I failed gone. on that because of these darn puppies. We have 10 puppies here. I don't know if you, you can hear them. I know. Background. You're crazier in than the I am. I was like, yep, 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 yep. I don't hear them. I've heard a couple of mine bark, um, but I haven't heard yours. <laughs> so so props yeah. to you for that. They're I got the puppies. old guy yeah. in front of me. Another one barked over there. Dave ran out we to get him. We have 10 puppies bark trained and paper trained at four weeks old. Oh, could you come over, please? Could you like just, <laughs> or, 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 you know, I'll just send my dogs to you. That's do you know the trick? No, the to, trick? Bark, to bark train a dog? A no, puppy? to just doing all of it to get in it. My dog keeps hitting the ladder. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Don't hit my ladder. To bark. You ought to see my setup on how I do this. Yeah. But no, I mean, and Courtney, she figured this out earlier, my fiance, and, and we're in a pen all the time with these dogs, the puppies. Right. And so we're petting them and we're giving them comfort and dog, mama's dog is in there. And so we're all with them. We're playing with them. So we're giving them playtime. We're giving them exercise time. They're eating good food. They have right. the water whenever they need it. They have a clean pen, you know? So if you're a parent and you can give your kid, you know, hey, here's a clean pen. Here's food. And here's that. Here's that. Here's security. And here, we're around you whenever you need us. And hey, you know, yeah. what? What more do you got to do, you know? So it's the same thing for the pups, you know? They're going to grow up and have a happy life because they have a content and happy. Yeah. I don't know. Just family stuff, you know? There are there are <laughs> some parallels, yes. Although we can uh, put our dogs, you know, in the garage for an hour or two and get a break from them with their dog. They're, they have a couch in there and all that, you know? But, like, <laughs> I need you to, like, to leave me alone. Like, an hour in the garage on your couch and and then I can, like, get my Do you want to hear, like, one of the biggest mistakes people make, especially with puppies and with their yes. dogs? is that they fill these bowls up with food and they stick the food on the ground. You know, you know, the kibbles, especially the dry food. Yeah. That's like mistake number one. Sorry, I keep doing that. But they, um, when your puppy's young, when it's a little dog, or when you first get your dog, when you first get a dog, uh-huh. for three months, you have to be really good about it. You have to pick that bowl up. You have to hold the bowl in your hand. And then you take the kibbles out and you feed your dog by hand. And so I feed the dog and I do hand signals. So if I do this to my dog, oh, yeah, my yeah. dog sits. Then I give him a treat. I turn my hand and he eats it. And then I start pointing at the ground and he goes down on the ground. And I turn my hand and he eats the kibbles. And so for three months, your dog is not loving a bowl. Is not right. He's looking at you for every morsel. It's right out of your hand. So your dog is going, oh, my God, everything I get is from you. <laughs> you're the best. And But you're also training your dog. You say and sit, and he sits, you give him some morsels. Right. You down, you give him some morsels, roll over. Whatever you want to teach your dog. If you Smart. do it for three months, your dog is going to be like, oh, my God, you're the best. I just want to be around you every second. You know? <laughs> and that's what you want your dog to like trust you. It's like, hey, you're, you're with me. I got you. Here's every morsel. Plus, well, you're getting tons of training, and then you can walk train with him until he heals. You walk around with your hand like this yes. with morsels in it, yep. and you put it next to your leg, and then you put it right next to his nose, and you start walking, heal, heal, heal. And you walk with your hand right next to his head's right there. And then watch when you go outside, you say heal, your dog's head will be right there on your leg. 
Because he's Love looking it. for the morsels. He sees no morsels. You know, oh, but you're still happy. Okay. A little So a just little tons bonus of this training. Be consistent and feed your dog by hand for three months. Nice. A little extra It'll bonus round your dog. To, to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just do that with treats with our dogs and then I feed them normally. Yeah. But yes, I can see how taking it to the next level would expedite and solidify that process that is a little painful yeah. for us. <laughs> it takes <laughs> a lot of time. I can I really cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and and I do I do recognize the effort and the energy it takes to put yourself out there even even on platforms you know like ours like I I fully understand that so I have a greater appreciation for you coming out uh, and doing that with us and your message is important and I do think I do think it takes some courage to put yourself out there the way that you are yeah, because yeah. you have you know you have to know that you're going to get it from both sides, no matter what no. stage you're like, you're going to get, it, it doesn't matter. Like I say, I could hold the picture of, I could hold one of my cute dogs up. You could hold your puppy yeah. up and you would have people bashing you, telling you it's an ugly <laughs> dog or that you shouldn't be tra doing this or that. Or you'll have people say, no, that your method is wrong. You know, you shouldn't be feeding yeah. them by hand. Like whatever you do, you're going to get crap for. So yeah, when you, yeah. when you do it and it's something so intensely personal for you, it just makes it, you know, that much more of an effort and energy you have to put yeah. forth. So I appreciate you. And I know it's a touchy topic for some, and um, you know, there's a lot more that I'd, I can say about this and I will get into saying about this, um, in a, in a longer format, I think maybe, but I just appreciate you so much on, on a lot of levels. So thank you very much. You. And if people want to find you online and connect with you, show you some support, let's, let's not send any haters there. Let's send some support there. Um, yeah. or even some questions or to. guidance, you know, because if yeah. they want to come to you and learn, because you've taught me a lot, um, even over a couple of years, you've taught me a lot. So it's great. Where can, Thanks. where can they find you and follow you? I've, all of my social media is all the same. It's Valor for us, V-A-L-O-R, the number four, mm -hmm. U-S. Perfect. So Valor for us. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.